All right. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the greatest show on earth. I mean, Zig Ziglar was it Zig Ziglar or or um, Dale Carnegie that said, "If you gotta you gotta think it before you can be it." So, I'm just gonna think we're the greatest thing going right now and see if that becomes true. Anyway, this is um, my name is Michael Massey. <laughs> my partner, compadre, co-conspirator is Rob Pape. Together, we make up Practice Mechanics. It's a, just a tiny little outpost in uh, Cyberville. Really not a practice management entity, but a practice support or a practice enhancement entity. You can find us at practice-mechanics.com. And today, we celebrate a milestone. Rob, did you know that? Today is the 10th podcast. Really? 10. This is number 10. We're in double digits now. I feel like the authorities should have come and shut this down already, right? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I think we should start numbering them with numerals like the Super Bowls because I think this is a really big deal. So now it's X. We'll just call it X. Um, also, as a side note, and I'm not sure you knew this either, but I'll share it with you now. We celebrated our hundredth download of the very first episode this week. Ooh, it has been the most yeah. celebrated and the most downloaded one. So to me, that's kind of tells me we should have stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, anything new with you? Oh, so many new things, but, but yeah, well, no, not really. I want to celebrate our guest today. Yes. Somebody's, somebody's coming to us from very far away and I'm pretty excited he's here. It is most fitting that we have this guest on at our milestone podcast, I think, because of the diversity we're going to celebrate today. Um, This dude does it all. Um, To me, uh, he he practices in Amarillo, Texas, Texas, right, Jeff? That's right. Our guest is Jeff Williams. I got ahead of myself. <laughs> Jeff Williams, who practices in Amarillo, Texas. Um, he's involved in more stuff right now in his life than most people involve themselves in in a lifetime. And that's what we're going to delve into today. Um, it's pretty interesting. I think you guys are going to find it very interesting. Um, Jeff's got a lot of angles and a lot of directions we can go in. And we're going to hope to kind of be less dry about this and, and just talk about all the dimensions of his life and his practice. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, you say I do a lot of stuff, and and you're right. I'm, I make myself crazy, so I, I don't know, you know, if that's all a good thing or a bad thing. But but uh, I'm sure we'll cover it. So Jeff and Robin, I crossed paths originally, probably through the FTCA, but also through um, Jeff's podcast and his website and his Facebook page called Chiropractic Forward. Um, Jeff, tell us a little bit about how all that started and what was your motivation to start that specific thing? The podcast? Yeah. Well, you know, okay. So yeah, I think at the, the heart of most chiropractors is, is, first of all, helping people get better. But second of all, you, if you're going to get people better, you better be a marketer of what you do instead of just a doer of what you do. That's a, that's an old Dan, Dan Kennedy saying. Uh, so you better be a marketer of what you do. So it, the further you dive into marketing, the more they're saying, well, you got to be blogging, you got to c- create content. And um, so I started creating uh, content. I started writing a blog and it was real scattered in the beginning. It was 
um, you know, what's the difference between white and wheat bread, which is interesting, you know, I mean, honestly, when you break it down, it was, I found it, I was like, man, I didn't know that. So, I, you know, I was learning stuff, but it was real scattered. It wasn't very focused. And then they say, and, uh, you know, there's riches and niches and I don't, and I can't stand people that say niches. Okay. So don't do it guys. Don't say niches because there's not riches and niches. <laughs> there's riches and niches. So, uh, I don't know what happened, but I just stumbled across some chiropractic research and I thought, you know, that's fascinating. And, and so I wanted to find some more research, um, because, you know, up to that point, I just kind of gone on what I was taught in school. Uh, and, and so when I started really finding out there was this research out there that, that validated me and what I do, I, I, I really just got fascinated with it. Uh, and just, a little bit obsessed, probably you might say, and just dove in. And I really started blogging on it. And I really felt like hmm, I'd probably run through it all in about six months. If I was doing it one time, one blog per week, I'm like, you know, I'll run out of this stuff. Uh, I had no clue. These researchers have kept me in business every single week for uh, since 2007, so we've got that much research coming out all the time. There's no way you could possibly keep up with it because it comes from not just chiropractors patting ourselves on the back going, look how good we are. Yay. But more meaningful uh, is that it's coming from governments, insurance companies, PhDs, DOs, MDs, PTs, uh, and chiropractors. You know, So uh, once I, I realized that, I just, uh, you know, I was all in. So then my website guy said, you know, you're writing blogs that are above people's, the regular consumers, the regular patient's head. So you're not reaching them. You need to dumb down your blogs. And I was like, well, that sucks, you know, because that's what I really love to do. Uh, so I started trying to break them down into four easy steps. So it was, uh, why did they do this research? Uh, how did they do it? What did they find? And then a simple wrap up to it. And so I started doing that. And he said, yeah, that's great, but that's still too difficult. I'm like, okay. So I decided to keep with the blogging, but move that into a more of a professional business to business, chiropractor to chiropractor type of a blog. And, uh, and then I, I just kind of got into podcasting. There wasn't anybody at that time that I felt was really filling the evidence-based patient-centered chiropractic gap in podcasts. Uh, and, you know, they say, be the change. And that was the change I want to be for our profession. So I, I just moved that from my personal blog to more of a professional blog to a podcast. And here we are on, um, I think this, I, this morning, I just posted episode 194. So, uh, I've just been doing it every week for about four years, and that's where we're at. We've got some catching up to do, man. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was at 10. I do. And, you know, I was still just getting it figured out. And am I doing this right? Is this, does this make any sense? Is anybody even listening? You know, and, and, uh, and they are. Well, I want to personally commend you because what you just said about how you broke it down and how you summarize everything that has made it way more digestible. 
you know, yeah. even it, not just for patients and common people, you know, but doctors too, we don't want to wade through and swim through all that stuff. We're lazy bums. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you can make it more easy and more understandable, the better. And I think that has, has driven people there because they understand that you're going to make it that you're going to make it digestible. You're going to make it comfortable and not so intimidating to read research type stuff. Yeah. Every now and then you come across a paper that just has a whole bunch of techno babble. And every now and then I'll, because I don't understand some of it, I'll look it up and I'll explain it on the podcast and say, oh, well, this is what that term means. But for the most part, I just leave it out. Nobody cares about this specific questionnaire, you know, that nobody's ever even heard of. They care about, you know, basically how did they do it and what, and what was the result? What does it and mean? Why do, why do I care? You know? Yeah. So. yeah. What does it all mean to me? And, right. And that's mm-hmm. nice. And I wanted to break it down to where not only could a practitioner that doesn't care about research could grab onto it pretty quickly, but they could also explain it to their patients and educate their patients really easily. Well, and as you've said, you've been at this a few years now and you've accumulated a ton of data. You've been through a lot of information and that's resulted in you publishing a new book, right? The Remarkable right. Truth About Chiropractic, A Unique Journey into the Research. What a wonderful title. Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But a great title because it's very descriptive of what it exactly is. Uh, it's not a dry research book. It's not a self-help thing. It's not a promotional, professional promotional you know, gizmo. It's exactly what it says. Um, tell us a little bit about that process. I know it took you a while to accumulate and formulate and finally boil it all down to a book form. Tell us what that experience has been. Well, part of content creation is is being able to use it in, in several different kinds of, of formats, different ways, right? And so after a few years, I got to thinking for myself, wouldn't it be nice to have all of these blogs, all of this information, these podcasts, wouldn't it be nice to have those organized to where they're pretty much quick reference, uh, especially if at the top end of each section, you had the more impactful research, you know, and then as you go through the section, maybe they get a little less uh, impactful, still important and relevant, but less impactful. So I started organizing it and I thought, you know, this this makes a heck of a book. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, and the reason I named it the remarkable truth about chiropractic was because there are so many incorrect perceptions. There's so many uh, myths and, uh, you know, detractors out there that, that have a certain view of chiropractic. And I felt like, you know, research literature is fact. It's not, it, it's truth. It's, it's statistical, you know, and, and you don't have to believe me Uh, I get to stand on the shoulders of all of these really, really smart people that did all of this really hard and technical and smart work. I don't I don't have to argue with you because I get to stand on those shoulders. And so for me, that was the perfect name for the book, because it is it's it's remarkable to some people. And it's the truth about chiropractic. It's not what somebody's perception is or what their opinion is of it or they're, how they feel about chiropractor, you know, it's, it's the truth about chiropractic based on research. So that's, it's kind of where that all came from and, and why I named it that specifically. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it, it just it, it's a compilation of all of the blogs, all of the podcasts, and it's it, put into sections. So if somebody, let's say, uh, you've got a talk to to give on um, neck pain and migraines, like you're going to go and, and give a speech to a, a body of of listeners, and you're like, you know, I don't know what all's out there. Instead of getting on PubMed and having to piece it together yourself, you can just go to the headache migraine section of the book, pick out two or three papers that, you know, really fits your talk. And then you go to the neck pain section, another two or three papers, bam, you're done. You're good. Um, and I know you testify a lot uh, in medical legal arena. Uh, you know, you got a stroke thing come up. You can go to the stroke section and boom, there's the most relevant, most current research available. So your work is is done fairly quickly. Thank you for that, because I have used that data from your website already. Yeah. So I'm sure You're I'm going to be referencing the book. So with regard to the book, though, as we said, research is fluid. There's new stuff all the time. Do you already have plans for a sequel, a new chapter, <laughs> a new verse for the book? I, I do. Uh, it, it, it may take me a little while. Um, because uh, we just, you said, I got a lot of stuff going. Uh, we just <laughs> integrated and hired a nurse practitioner. And so that is uh, uh, taking up a whole lot of bandwidth currently. So um, let me let me get that dust to settle <laughs> and then we'll start looking at that. I wasn't sure. putting pressure on you. I just wondered yeah. if there was a plan. <laughs> I'm also in the middle of uh, my second fellowship, which is in forensics. So, we, so I can do more medical legal work like you do. Uh, and, uh, and so with it, there's a whole lot of balls in the air, as you mentioned. So as soon as all of that stuff kind of settles down and I find myself looking around and I'm itchy, um, I'm, I will start on volume two. So back to the book or back to the research itself, um, the takeaways you have, what are the two or three most intriguing or helpful or insightful pieces of research you come across that you feel like really made a light bulb go off or, that you celebrated that that's actually out there or something like that. Well, can you boil it down to one or two or three? Man, you know, you could have sent me this question in, in advance. <laughs> I could be so much more effective here, but I think what really, really started me down the path was the stroke issue. And, and so to really wrap my head around that hundred percent and really understand it top to bottom, um, was really eye-opening for me and really kind of what got me into it and say, so many people uh, accuse us of being the cause of stroke, yet there's all of this stuff that says you're, you're full of beans. There's, that's not, that is not the case. And here's more likely what's happening. Maybe chiropractors are missing strokes in progress when they come in, but that doesn't mean they're causing it. And to be able to really uh, set that case up and and defend that, uh, I think was was powerful for me in the very beginning. So if somebody goes to, if you're interested in this, you go to chiropracticforward.com and you go to the blog. I wrote a blog there. It's called uh, Debunked the odd myth that chiropractors cause strokes. And I, and I just cover this thing from top to bottom, you know, and, and once I, once I put all that together and I used research to do that, I think I was in, I was in, you know, and then um, the Lancet reports on low back pain. 
I think were um, pretty eye-opening for me, global experts, you know, kind of agreeing with um, another paper that really opened my eyes up was the, uh, is Kasim et al., the uh, American College of Physicians paper that, that recommended spinal manipulative therapy as a first-line treatment for acute and chronic low back pain. Those were, those are all big deals, you know, and then the Lancet paper backed that up. There was a big paper out of Denmark that backed all of that up. And, uh, so uh, those are probably two or three of my, my bigger hell yeahs. Those are good ones though. I mean, those are things that we talk about almost on a daily basis. Yeah. There was another one in the, there was another one in the British, um, British medical journal, I, I believe that it was right along that time with the Lancet and all of that. Um, uh, and it was, should we drop cervical um, manipulative therapy? And the opinion in the British medical journal was, no, we shouldn't, you know? And I was just like, why doesn't everybody know about this? Why ain't anybody screaming about this? You know, this is huge, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I like that. Rob? You still with us? <laughs> yeah, he's over. He's just I, I, this is I, this is the this, the dulcet, beautiful, sonorous tones of you two gentlemen. <laughs> My <Right there>. uh, <laughs> sc- scratchy, scraggly voice has no business here. This, 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 this isn't for me. This is for me to listen. Not if, true. If, if if I if I must ask a question. Um, you had mentioned earlier, Jeff, about how you're diversifying your practice. You're bringing in a nurse practitioner and integrating medical with, with the Cairo um, and the rehab. Can you tell us more about how you got to that decision and what that's been like for you and uh, what, the, what the pros and cons of this, this process have been and maybe any pitfalls that people should look out for if they're deciding to go that route? Okay. So I'm ADHD. You just gave me about five bullet points there. So I'm going to start at, at integrating and then whatever else you got, just remind me, cause there's no way I'm remembering all that. So, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know my, my, uh, my, my pitfalls. So, you know, I, I, I compensate for them. Um, so, uh, integration, man, it's something I've been thinking about for years. But I never felt like I had um, the extra funds to do it. You know, I, when I had you on my podcast, Rob, we talked about um, how, you know, I've created this machine that I'm trying to keep up with. And I'm jealous of you, by the way, and how you do things. But um, so I just never felt like I had the space and, and not the not the physical space, but the the bandwidth, the financial space, the it just n- never all came together for me at once. Well, my buddy down in uh, South Lake, Texas, he integrated and then he kind of started a consulting end of his deal where he was very successful at it. And so he decided he's going to uh, consult on the deal. And I mean, we went to chiropractic school together. We grew up in the same town, you know, and, and very active in the Texas Chiropractic Association. So, um, so I was really interested in that. Uh, and then our TCA lobbyists helped pass a law here in Texas. Used to, we had to work for the medical doctor. Um, 
and we would kind of manage the practice and get paid that way. And it was just really disadvantageous for a chiropractor to do. Uh, but our lobbyists got the law changed here in Texas to where we um, still have to have a medical director or a medical doctor as a partner in the entity. But basically, I own 99% and the medical director owns 1%, which is amazing for Texans, by the way. And um, TCA, thank you, TCA. Yeah. Be involved in your state and your national organizations, people, please. Anyways, um, so once that kind of came through, then then COVID happened. I lost my office manager uh, of 12 years, which was also my most highly paid employee. So that created a little financial space. And uh, the PPP loans, I'm just going to tell you, is not a bad deal for business owners. Um, so that helped me with a little bit of space as well financially. And uh, we said, you know, it's um, it's time. So we uh, we got got it all together, got the entity formed. One of my good buddies here in town is is a medical doctor who signed on as the director. Started interviewing nurse practitioners. There was much more interest in working for a chiropractor than I expected there to be. And um, I think we found the the perfect one. He's been on board for about a month now. And so it's still brand new. So one of the cons to the thing is it's brand new, right? We're, we are bleeding money currently, but you see the steps. It's one step beyond the other. And, and you see people coming in, you see them doing things. Uh, and uh, trigger point injections. I had no, I've been so against injections of cortisone, you know, joint injections. I'm still against those, by the way. But trigger point injections were not on my radar. And that's just lidocaine. And these, these chronic issues that I've had such a, um, a hard time with, I mean, they just, they do great with this stuff. Folks that I've had a patient that I've tried to control her headaches for a year and a half and we can control them to an extent, but she still has almost daily headaches. She was eating ibuprofen. She's been going to other providers to uh, not chiropractors, but down the medical path. And he did some hormone pellets on her three weeks ago, and she hadn't had one damn headache in three weeks, not one ibuprofen, nothing, just from balancing hormones. I mean, this stuff was not on my radar, but it is now. So I'm getting to see a lot of really cool stuff that I wouldn't have gotten to see. We're doing a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff, and, and, um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. That's awesome. I have one follow-up to that. The nurse practitioners that you were interviewing, you, you mentioned that there was more interest than you imagined. Did they impart to you why they were more, more interested or that there was such interest in working for a chiropractor moving to, to a different type of terrain for themselves? You know, no, not specifically. I would always, one of the questions was, um, did you ever see yourself you know, working for a chiropractic practice or, or combining with a chiropractic practice. And I think, um, you know, the atmosphere, the environment is different than it was 10 years ago. And I, I, 
I know both of you guys have been in this long enough. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We've got plenty of old dog, dogmatic thinking, archaic thinking uh, among physicians, especially the older uh, physicians. And that's just part of it. And that's going to be that way. But I see myself having uh, more medical physicians as patients uh, in just the last three to five years. There's, I think now that you got the, like I said, the American College of Physicians, that's a big medical group. The American Family Physicians backs them up as well. So you got two big medical groups that say, hey, there's something worth looking at on this deal. And so I think that that's kind of set the groundwork for a better relationship and uh, a more uh, cooperative thing going on there. So uh, I think if you see some physicians starting to kind of open their arms or at least open their minds towards chiropractic, then uh, traditionally RNs uh, have always been good patients, I think, and they're becoming better and better patients and RNs become nurse practitioners, you know? So I think nurse practitioners are just much more open to the idea of, of working um, as part of a team. Um, they don't necessarily want to be the leader of the team. They, they, they are used to being part of a broad multimodal uh, management team. And, and, you know, that's exactly what I am. We've got me, we've got a nurse practitioner. I've got three massage therapists. I have an acupuncturist. We have a big exercise rehab room. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, uh, I think, a, I think a nurse is a good fit here. I like it. If that answers I'm, your question. Like <clears throat> I'm eager to see how it unfolds for you. What's that? I said, I'm eager to see how it unfolds for you. I'm really oh, curious. Me too. I'm, you know, again, it comes back to marketing. It all comes back to marketing. Uh, it, whether you live or die, it lies on marketing. So that's what we're really trying to, trying to hit heavy. Everybody that's always, that's always uh, been familiar with me marketing chiropractic to them. I'm sure their head's going, what the hell, you know, because it's all about hormones, it's medical weight loss, it's blah, 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 you know, and, and, uh, but, uh, but it seems to be, uh, it seems to be doing okay. It's, it's growing slowly as expected, but it's growing and that's what counts. Rob, did you have a follow-up to that? Well, I know I, I wanted to tell Jeff that he did answer my five questions. Hey, all right. <laughs> yeah. he, he nailed all, and and that you know, one, when one ADHD guy asks another ADHD guy a question, there has, yeah. has to be at least five, yeah, six kind of sub questions <laughs> in it. You know, they didn't uh, diagnose no, you, that stuff when I was a kid. This is self-diagnosed, but I mean, you know, if if yeah. if I move my thought process for one second. All that other stuff's gone. Yeah, me too. I feel that. I'm happy that I, <laughs> right? I'm I'm happy that I did not get diagnosed with that. That it wasn't the diagnosis that was uh, sort of popularized when I was a school age kid, because I would have certainly been um, medicalized, medicalized, medicated, medicalized. Well, that and medicalized is a word, though. You were allowed to uh, develop compensations. You know. You mm -hmm. compensate for that. You recognize where you lack and mm -hmm. you, I, I get more emails from myself than I get from anybody else. Cause as soon as I think of something, I'm like, Ooh, mm -hmm. I better email my, or I'll forget it. 
And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, and these things are all my strengths. So I'm glad that didn't, they didn't get drugged out of me. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've, I've seen what that, what that's done to some, some people. And, and my, my mind, uh, has its own process and it, it like you said it was allowed to develop that process yep because it, it wasn't messed with yep i think that's important well and along those same lines jeff um we've already talked a lot about clinical stuff and we could do that probably for another two or three podcasts and i would be happy to do that um but you're deeply involved in your profession um you're also a lot of other things you're sure. an accomplished musician you're an artist in many mediums, media, media, medias. I think media. anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you media paint I, and you draw and you do sculpture. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go that route. Yeah. Um, and more recently, you've added, you know, your your voice to voiceover work. Mm-hmm. I feel like I probably missed something in all that. Um, tell us about all those things. Tell us, are those opportunities? Are those distractions? Are those life balancers? How, what do you consider all your side gigs to be? The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I started throwing the discus again after 30 years. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, you know, at 49 years old, why would you go throw the discus, you know? Uh, well, not to pump because tires. Because it's there. <laughs> well, not to pump tires, but I won state here in Texas when I was uh, in high school. So it's not like I just like, oh, this looks fun. I'm going to try that at 49. You know, I've, I've helped coach and I've helped, you know, I've always kind of had a little foot or a toe in the, in the discus ring over the years. And, and this was um, my daughter started track in seventh grade last year. I started helping her and I realized that they have old man track meets as well all over the nation. I thought, what a fun way to travel the nation and stay active and stay healthy. And, and so, yeah, I got myself a, a grown up discus and, and started that again. But couldn't be frisbee golf. It had to be a discus. <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> uh, so, man, voice. Well, let's start art. Art has always been a part of me. My dad was an artist. He was a painter and he drew and he was a sculptor. And so I think when you're around that stuff, it kind of gets into you a little bit and you just, you know, we were out in DC this last week and we were at Mount Vernon and we're waiting in line and we're on this dirt path that George Washington probably walked 5,000 times. And there's this little girl and she's leaned down, she's squatted down and she's got a stick and she's drawing pictures. And as soon as the line moves, she erases that one with her foot and she starts a new one. She starts, you know, and I'm like, man, that, that was me. That it, it was just when it's in you, you, that's just what you do. Um, so that, yeah. And I've been painting and, and drawing and sculpting for, for years, my whole life. Now my daughter is starting to do it, which is really exciting. And, and uh, that's so much fun to see them pick up stuff that, that you've loved throughout your lifetime. But that's more of a release. I, I've got an Etsy shop with my stuff and a Facebook, Jeff Williams art, you know, but um, if someone, someone ever wants to buy a print of something, that's amazing, but that's not why I do it. I do it because I love it. But um, the voiceover now that has gone insane. <laughs> uh, so I didn't, I didn't start the voiceover career because uh, that's always been a love of mine or it's always been an idea. Um, I, I did it because I wanted to start making some money and, um, 
maybe look at being able to have some more financial freedom, more realistic ways of retiring, not when I'm 65 or 75, but you know, I'm 49. What, what if I could look at retiring when I'm 55? You know, that would be amazing. Uh, I, I love the chiropractors that say, I want to die in my practice working on patients when I'm 85. I, I respect that. And I think that's awesome. It's just not me. I've got a lot of other stuff going on. Like you said, art and uh, I'm a musician. I, I'm playing bands and, and, you know, I have no time for stuff that feed my soul uh, because I'm at work all day. And, and so uh, I thought during this pandemic, we had the slowdown and I've got a buddy who is pretty heavy in the voiceover. Uh, he was my very first drummer in my very first band in Louisiana when I went to school down there. And uh, so we've just stayed in touch. He's actually a lieutenant colonel in the army, believe it or not. And uh, so he started this and he's kid famous now. He ended up, there's this uh, video game called Five Nights at Freddy's and he ended up being the narrator for the whole thing. So now he goes to comic cons and he's signing all these. I thought this is so cool, you know? So everything slowed down uh, cause of the pandemic. And I thought, well, you know, if you do voiceover, you just roll out of bed in your undies and stumble down to the basement with a cup of coffee and break out the microphone. So why not let's, let's figure this stuff out. And so I started doing that. And um, it, since January, of this year, 2021. Uh, now we're sitting here in September. Uh, I've I've voiced over 300 spots now, and and advertisements, promos, uh, podcast intros and outros, just all kinds of stuff. So it's uh, really taken off, and um, I think I'm going to try to parlay that extra money into real estate investments because that'll that can really do a good job. Uh, which might might get me to retirement a little bit sooner. Then with this second fellowship, maybe do some uh, speaking and and mentoring and and things of that nature, and um, have a, have a realistic means of uh, being able to start at minimum owning my business instead of my business owning me. That's a good goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We should we should eyeball that earlier in our lives. I think we don't. Well, if you don't mind, I've got a buddy who is in the oil business and I'm super wealthy guy. And one day he asked me, what is your exit number? And I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. What do you mean exit number? He said, everybody needs an exit number. What would you need to be able to just step away and not work again or step away and start something new if that's what you wanted to do? And it really got my wheels to spinning. I've got a I've got a little note on my computer right here by my eyeballs that that is what I need to reach my exit number. And uh, uh, so it's basically find the end and work backwards. So if you know your exit number and you start working backwards on how you can get there and the different ways that can get you there, then um, you're more likely to get there. Absolutely. Goal setting. That's that's a lesson. Uh, that's a whole podcast, also. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So let's circle back a little bit. We've we've delved off the trail a little bit. Um, back to the practice of chiropractic, not your practice, but in general broadness of the profession. Um, what are some of the things you think we're still struggling with as a profession? Oh, are there any troubling negative trends? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what well, I think they are, but you, you go try ahead. to get me in trouble for being <laughs> mouthy. Uh, that's my problem is I'm, I'm, I'm mouthy. I don't have any patience for providers that look at their patients as sales targets or sales figures or uh, clinics that are doctor centered, meaning they would do something to a patient that they didn't really know was going to help them but would make their clinic money. That's, that's very doctor centered. I'm very, very much patient centered uh, and, uh, and evidence-based patient centered. That's, that's my, my key line, uh, evidence-based patient centered and anything outside of that, I just don't have a lot of patience for. I just, um, and, and chiropractic is eaten up with it. It's riddled with it. We're taught it in school. Uh, gurus outside of school teach it um, how to take advantage of people. There's 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 companies out there that um, they refer to patients as targets, closing closing patients. Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm trying to keep this PG, <laughs> but um, you asked. I told you I'm mouthy, uh, <laughs> but uh, they teach you how to close patients. Well, that's. It's just absolutely awful. I, that's I, to me, it's evil. It's evil. People come to us for our help, our guidance, our advice, not for us to take advantage of them. And uh, and that sort of behavior, that sort of practice, just uh, it just drives me crazy. I almost lose sleep over it because that's going on in my profession. But let's be fair. It. I see it going on in dentistry. I see it going on in uh, in regular medical practice. And it was one thing when I hired a nurse practitioner. That was my biggest goal. I could have hired somebody with with more experience, more years of experience, but I needed to hire somebody that was like me, that looked at patient care like I look at it. Let's be evidence-based and let's never take advantage of a patient regardless of finances. You know, we'll never scare somebody into, um, into more treatments. We'll never scare somebody into more care just because we can. Why would anybody ever do that to somebody? It's just, to me, it's, it's uh, disturbing. I'm going to lay a little hint on you. You probably already know it already, but the more of this forensics work you do, the more mad you're going to get about this. <laughs> I'm sure. Because that's why I'm they're sure. in there. That's why you're seeing their records. And I think that number is is really way higher than we would ever want to admit that it is in this profession uh, nationwide. And as, as me uh, uh, being a, a Christian, there's a particular group out there that's practice management that teaches their practitioners to use Christianity and and words in the Bible and things like that against the patient to get them more visits. And it's just, Oh man, I, I can't think of anything worse than that. I really can't. I don't want to keep you mad. Let's flip the switch. What, what, what are we doing right as a profession? What are we, what are we, what are we doing well? Michael. Okay. I'm sorry. What are you doing to me? I was having a good day. No, I'm yeah. I'm good. I'm good. It's going to get better. I think about this stuff all the time. It's good. <laughs> so yeah, that what do, what do you think we're doing well? What are we getting better at? What where can we shine right now? 
man, uh, being evidence-based patient centered. I mean, I really do. I think that practitioners like us are beginning to turn the tide. I think we're beginning to win this battle against, um, silliness. I, I call it silliness. I'm, um, against, you know, when we've got physicians or detractors calling us quacks, I think we're starting to, to turn that part of the tide. I think we are. I think research is helping us do that. But I think folks like us that are trying to get that message out there, folks like us that are getting active in their profession and, and becoming leaders and mentors and, and helping lead people away from the silliness um, you know, I think that's what we're getting right. We're, we're getting more focused on a multimodal approach, like exercise rehab is becoming a bigger deal, which it should be. Um, so, yeah, I think those are some of the things we're starting to do really, really well. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Rob? Well, I just I want to follow up and say we could rant about some of this stuff. I mean, this is why we, we had you on, my man, because... We, f- we all feel the same way about this garbage. And I, we, while we appreciate you keeping it clean, for fuck's sake, I mean. I'll let you say some that. Of it's, <laughs> some, of it's just, some of it's just so dirty and, and evil and wrong. Um, I think, it's, I think it, if you're not upset about it, then that's the problem mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. So you're up, you're, you're, the bile that comes up for you is well, is well placed. So we, we appreciate that here. Um, the, the one, the one follow-up I, I, uh, I had for you was where do you see us going? Like here we are at this particular moment in time, research is definitely getting better. We are integrating. We are realizing that multimodal practice, patient centered multimodal practice, one size fits all doesn't work. Different people need different things. Where, where are we headed? Where are we going next? You've, you've got a really strong grasp on where we've been and where we are. And you also are a systems thinker. You see a lot of, you see all the threads. Where do you see these threads leading us? Well, uh, man, if you, if you know through the FTCA, there's Dr. Chris Housen. He, he uh, invented the drop release tool, which I'm using all the time now, which is great. Um, but he works in an outpatient hospital, uh, hospital outpatient clinic. He's integrated. Uh, we've got Dr. Uh, James Lehman running the University of Bridgeport, Connecticut chiropractic branch. And, and he's the head of the, uh, the diplomat for the neuromusculoskeletal medicine program. Um, uh Geez, there's, there's some. I mean, I'm, if I really get to keep naming names, I'm going to leave somebody out. So I'm, I'm going to quit naming names. But um, I know that the local VA, we get lots of veterans from the VA. That never happened five years ago, at least not for me, not for anybody I knew. It might have happened in pockets, but not nationwide. And so we're starting to get uh, referrals from, from the federal VA system, which I think is a big, big deal. Um, and I, I believe the VAs are starting to hire chiropractors on, uh, on staff in the hospitals yes. as well. So I just think, you know, if we stay the course, 
you cannot, again, back to the book, The Remarkable Truth About Chiropractic. I think if we stay the course, instead of having myths and beliefs and opinions about chiropractic, you start to, you start to form truths and facts about chiropractic. And when we're talking in the language of the medical profession, which is research, when we're speaking that language, they eventually they're going to listen. I, th- I think it was Dr. Gertz who, who said, you know, it takes about 15 years from when a research paper comes out for it to filter down into daily practice. And so the research, the, the biggest, best research has come out in the last five, 10 years. So we're still five, 10 years. If, if what she says is correct, we're still five to 10 years from that going into daily use, daily common knowledge for healthcare providers. But I really feel like once it does and all this backing information that keeps coming out every year, every month, really, once that all starts to really settle in and take root, um, you know, I think you're going to find chiropractors uh, more commonly as part of a team in hospital settings and primary care settings. You know, you've got, you've got 20 medical doctors in one practice. Well, I think you, you may have 15 medical doctors, uh, three chiropractors and two or three physical therapists in the future, you know, and, and, and to me, that looks like a pretty solid, solid deal. And I think that's where we're going. I hope that's where we're going. Not necessarily in this on a negative note, but we always ask this of all our guests of which you are the third. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So all is a really small number at this point. Yeah. Um, If you could wave a magic wand over our profession and eliminate something about it in its past, what would you have changed about how we've, evolved. Mm. So a lot of people, I would guess, might wave a wand and and get rid of, uh, you know, DD being a, a magnetic healer, because that's used against us quite a bit. I mean, I, um, and I, you know, I don't think that's useful, uh, because everybody has a start, everybody has a beginning, the medical, the medical field used to, uh, I call them uh, the 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 bees, the bleeding. Uh, uh, no, it's not. I don't even remember. But bleeding <laughs> uh, leeches and lobotomies. You know, uh, they had a beginning, and they and they progressed. So we got a beginning, and I don't think that's worth waving a wand and and denying. Uh, I would just like to get rid of the the craziness, the the dishonesty. <laughs> You know that the dishon the sell the salesmanship dishonesty the car salesman the seeing patients as targets and and closing on them and that that whole deal that uh, you've got a decreased curvature in your neck like the rest of the entire planet but we're going to need to see you uh, eighty times this year or I'm really concerned about your future I want to get rid of that stuff yeah catastrophizing. We've talked about that in the past. Absolutely. When you take somebody who is on the ledge of chronic pain, they're not there yet, but they're on the ledge. And you say, I'm really worried about your future. This, this really looks bad. What you did was you just pushed them. You pushed them right off the ledge. And, and, 
that wasn't your place. You shouldn't have done that. Your place was to pull them back from the ledge and say, you know what? This looks pretty good. You look like everybody else. This is a very average. You got some, you got some deconditioning there in the spine, but, but that's okay. Cause everybody else does. And everybody else does really well. That's, that was our job was to pull them back from the cliff, not kick them in the ass and, and push them off into the pit. You know. I mean, I think we see Amen. it all. I, I saw it this week in my office, you know, once somebody's planted a seed, and I never really thought about it until I started really paying attention. But when people say, well, I've got arthritis, I've been told years ago that I had arthritis. And that's why I hurt all the time. They don't even know what arthritis is. They're hurting the muscle of their leg. And they're like, well, I'm sure it's just arthritis. Or they've got some kind of, you know, the worst word right now everybody's using is degeneration. Oh, I'm, my spine's degenerated. So I am a hopeless case. You know, that's what they come in with the subtext of. And I think that's criminal, really, you know, at this point, because you're being told that by someone who doesn't even understand the condition, first of all, and they're putting it in a context of permanency and, and terror almost. And I think we would do really well to offset those every time we can. They come in with an idea that they're fragile. They've got to be protected. They're different than everybody else. And that what they find on an x-ray, it, it correlates exactly to their symptoms and and the research is real clear if anybody will take time to pay attention to it that you cannot diagnose from an image you, it can be a helpful ancillary thing but you cannot diagnose from an image you have to diagnose the clinical patient sitting in front of you and um you know that's just people that say oh you got the spine of an 80 year old you know and they're 40 this, you just pushed them off the cliff you know uh, you can't you can't do that stuff to them. You, you've got to say, one thing we learned in the fellowship was don't use degeneration, use deconditioned. You know, this is deconditioned. We want to strengthen. We want to exercise. Motion is the lotion for joints. Movement is healing. Why do you think when you have surgery, something as severe as a joint replacement, it doesn't get a lot more severe than that, but they still got you up walking the next day because movement is healing all the way down to the very individual joints. And that's what we're doing, you know, and give them hope and build them up. And you're good. You're average. You know, there's a difference between hurt and harm. Um, you know, hurt does not mean harm. Get moving. Let's go. You know, instead of going, Oh, you're going to have to come see me so many times. I'm really worried about you. Uh, you know, you slip somebody into fear avoidance and then you got real issues. Well, and you said doctor-centered, you know, so many of them imply, even if they don't come out and say it, that without me, you may not progress. You know, <laughs> that's a that's a driver, too. Well, and that's another research topic that they, they've done. We need to be providing patients at home self-management techniques so that they don't depend on a, a, a doctor, a clinic uh, of any sort. Well, I had an, a patient in my office a couple of weeks ago just to share a story. Um, she progressed really fast, even more quickly than I thought she might. And so I basically released her after just, you know, two or three visits. And she said, you sure about that? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm sure about that. I said, if you need me, you know where I am, that kind of thing. She said, this is a horrible business model. <laughs> and I said, well, it is really, but <laughs> you know, it, it, I look at it two ways. You know, if you get really good results really quickly, that person's going to celebrate the success and they're going to tell other people. Tell people. People expect to get well on a very gradual pace, and that's not exciting. 
and they don't tell anybody about it. That's what they expected to begin with. Yep. So to me, it is a very good business model if we can turn these things around quicker. But there is a lack of security, I think, in my opinion, in our profession, that if we let people go too quickly, they won't appreciate what we've done. And yep. then we won't make as much money off of them either, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and it really may not be true. It may be more like the quicker you go, the more you get. Yeah. You know, what it comes down to, you, you know, the golden rule of kindergarten and all of that, for me, the golden rule that has held true through almost 24 years of practice is treat them like they're your family. So if you don't have an answer to their question immediately, like, a, you know, just you're like, boom, I've got the answer. Sit back and, and, and just think for a second, go, if this were my sister, if this were my son or my daughter or my wife or my uncle or my grandfather, what would I tell them? And when you're treating people like they're your family, you're always going to give them the right answer. Amen. It's true. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to stop. Any final thoughts, Rob? Um, yeah, I've got tons of final thoughts, but they're going to stay inside my head. I'm just going to let, I'm going to let, I'm going to let. Is that good or let, bad, Michael? <laughs> well, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> right. Um, it's, no, I, I, I just feel like your, your words, we, I want to let them ring. They, uh, you've, you've, you've said, uh, you've given us many, what we call golden nuggets today, Dr. Williams. And, and we really appreciate you being on our show. We really appreciate what you do. We really appreciate that you share what you do with not only the profession, but now the general population with through your book. Um, can you uh, one, once one last time, give us how people can find out about you, your work, your book, your podcast. Yeah, just go to uh, chiropracticforward.com. That's the name of the podcast, chiropracticforward.com. Um, that's the website. I've got a um, like a brochure, poster, and a little store there that, that people could check out. I got the blog I mentioned. There's all the episodes are there you can listen to. Uh, the podcast available on any podcast platform, including Spotify and all those good things. Uh, the book is on Amazon exclusively right now. And again, it's called The Remarkable Truth About Chiropractic, A Unique Journey into the Research. Um, I've got a Chiropractic Forward Facebook page and Twitter, and we've got a, a Chiropractic Forward private group as well. It's not as active as I'd like for it to be. So we need some people come in there and be rabble rousers, you know, and shake Ooh. it up a little bit. I, I got to join this group. I did not know. About That's it. right. Yeah. It's chiropractic I, I, forward. I, 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 it's a private group. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I want to thank you too. Uh, this has been amazing. It's been great. It's been everything we thought it was going to be and probably more. Uh, we appreciate your spending awesome. your time on your downtime with us. Um, and we are eager to get this out to the world because I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be really well received. Well, good. Um, I appreciate the good words and thanks for yeah, having me. Yeah. We're glad you were here. We'll wrap up by just reminding everybody practice mechanics.com practice dash mechanics.com. We also have Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and some other stuff. We always try to mention and I never remember exactly because that's secondary, I guess. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, everybody, if you've made it this far. I think you probably have because this one was really riveting. I appreciate you guys for listening in and for downloading our podcast because we're really enjoying doing it. And that's it for me.
Thanks for having me, guys. Right. Thanks for coming, man. We appreciate you.